then they, in, when it's worship time, I go to the prayer team, and they pray for me, but it's still there the next week, and I said I'm not going to let go. <laughs> I have to get my healing, and the next Sunday, I, again, I go to the prayer team, and they pray for me, and since that day, and never came back, and I cut our lawn, and I garden, and I enjoy all the spring, and I have been having a lot of fun. <laughs> and my other uh, healing was, you know, after I had my boy, I don't know, for whatever reason, I wasn't feeling good. Um, I mean, just, I even if I go to the doctor, I cannot tell what my feeling is, but it just a disturbing feeling. I don't know what it was. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to get mad or crazy. I don't know what's going on. I just keep praying, but nothing seems changed. And one Wednesday, <coughs> it was a praying time. That time they were praying for the nation. And I came that Wednesday, and Miss Candy said, there's two ladies who are uh, having... Uh, Trouble with your uh, brain. I think the enemy is attacking you. God wants to deliver you. And I saw one lady running. Then I go after her and they pray for me. And since that day, and I, I am as good as new. <laughs> so I want to glorify him. else? Well, I don't have any major healings or anything like that to report, but I just want to say how good the Lord is and how he likes to uh, make his children smile. I went this week with Noriel and Gwen to Arkansas on business, and Noriel's been trying to see a little bit of the country while she's here, and so she had never seen a rodeo and had mentioned it <laughs> many times in our, our last stop in Fort Smith. My customer had just mentioned that his wife was going to be barrel racing, and I felt like it was too late to try and drive home another three and a half hours and get here at 11. So he got to go to a rodeo, and Gwen wanted to do something special, so I felt like both of them had their prayers answered. And I thought, well, Lord, it's just business. I'll just serve you. But I got up this morning and was reading the word. And there walking across my front yard were three deers, which most gardeners wouldn't think was a blessing. But I love having wildlife in my yard. And so I felt like the Lord just kind of likes to make his children smile. Amen. Um, as, as most of you know, uh, I had an accident about, uh, 12 years ago that ended up taking my leg, um, about two and a half years afterwards. And, uh, we didn't know it at the time, but there was some blood clots that I guess had got, uh, uh stuck in my brain, uh, in a location for the, with the optic nerves. And over the last six to eight years, I've been going blind. It's, uh, it was primarily or it's primarily in the upper left region of both eyes. 
And so I had no peripheral vision up in this area at all. And uh, that had been slowly getting worse and worse and worse. And in January, we, we con- confirmed that it wasn't getting any, any worse. So that was, that was a good thing. And if you'll remember, uh, last week, we were praying for uh, Olivia's eyes. And, and a brother shared about his son, I think it was, that was uh, cured of, of colorblindness, just out of the blue, wasn't praying for it. And we had another sister that was talking about uh, some problems that she was having with her eyes that was probably going to need surgery and that, and that they prayed for healing that it happened. And so CJ called for anyone with vision here, uh, issues to stand up and be prayed for. I stepped forward uh, due to this and uh, had several pray for me as, as others were being prayed for as well. And, you know, lazy Sunday afternoon decided to take a nap. And when I got up from my nap, I put my glasses back on. I saw this corner of my frames that I'd never seen before without looking up to the left. And it's been getting, I mean, I can't believe all the stuff that I'm seeing up over here. It's it's startling me at times because I'm not used to seeing stuff over here. It's probably going to be January before I can get back into the, the eye doctor due to insurance and stuff like that. But I know for a fact that that's completely healed. And 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 the reason and the reason I know that it's completely healed is because God doesn't do things part way. When when Jesus healed the blind, it didn't say that the guy started seeing blurry, and it didn't say that when Jesus healed the lame that he walked with a limp. He 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 walked, and they saw. And I'll give another report in January after I get back from the doctor's office and let him be amazed and stuff like that. But I just wanted to share that with everybody. All right, Lori, I see you. Nurse Lori, by the way. Um, I'm going to try to do this without getting emotional, but I am just so extremely happy. I want to give the glory to God because the... The theme, I think, for the past two months in my life has been the chains are breaking away. I kind of feel like the Incredible Hawk when he's ripping his shirt off, and I'm just getting out of it. And I'm finally, these chains are just falling away from me. They're falling on the floor, and I can visualize that even in my dreams. And not only am I going to go to nursing school and and believe in myself enough to know that it's going to be hard, but I'm willing to work for my dreams but I'm even conquering lately. I was telling Pastor and Lisa, I'm even conquering my addiction for, for food. And I'm trying to use that anxiety and depression. When I go to the refrigerator, I, I go and put my CDs in and I start working out. And so I, it's just, it's awesome because I can see what he's doing with me. He's showing me my worth through his eyes. And to finally feel like, so beautiful through his eyes, not what the world standards say, but what he says is just so freeing. And so the whole thing is about breaking this bondage that I've been in for 40 years of my life. And it's beautiful and it's wonderful and he's amazing. And so just watch out because I'm finally coming out of these chains and it's going to be wonderful. Anybody else? A hand up or are you just putting your arm around your wife? Okay. All right. That's good too, by the way. All right, Bettina. Um, I don't know how many know uh, that James a few weeks ago uh, 
had a new, um, what do you call it, MRI MRI done? No, CAT scan. CAT scan done. And um, all I wanted, I was very nervous. And what I, you know, wanted to, uh, what I hoped to hear was that nothing, nothing new grew. And, uh, but there was this one lymph node in the middle of his chest that had nev- not even really budged much during the chemo. They said that there was no new cancer cells in the old reports, but it had just not shrunk much, and it had caused some breathing problems. But in the new uh, scan, they said that there was not one lymph node, even where they would be like, we need to watch that one. And, and they said even in a normal healthy person, there are some processes going on. If someone has a cough, then something is a lot. They said there was nothing even. And now James has a lot of colds and stuff, but nothing was even at all to be remarked. And I don't know. I mean, what the chemo couldn't do, God has done. He has completely healed him. And I'm so thankful. And then there is... uh, um, and now he has still, you know, weakness and insomnia from the chemo, and that's also getting better. And he's going to the Y and he swims. Uh, just God is just restoring all of his strength. And then there was—I would like to tell something. Um, at my work, I take care of two people, actually three. A third one has come recently, but I take what I really two clients that I know very well. They're in wheelchairs, and they have the development of uh, one is a nine-month-old baby, like nine-month-old age, and the other is one and a half years old. So they're like little children and a, that have a grown body. And the one is, and they're always happy, and especially Joey. He always smiles. He always is cheerful, and he looks at me with his radiant eyes, and they're like the best patients that anyone could ever take care of. But I think I know something about him now. One night I came to work and, and I walked down the hallway and I thought, they left his TV on. I saw through the crack that his TV must be on. And I opened the door and everything, and there was dark. TV wasn't on, no other source of light. So what do you think? What's the secret? <laughs> Is that maybe the secret, you know, that God shows himself to children and, and to people who we think, oh, wow, they're in a wheelchair, wow. Um, but I think God has encounters with them. Uh, I don't know about Kate Casey, but I really think I know his secret. I know why he's always smiling and happy, because there might have been just one encounter. I'm sure it was an angelic visitation. And he looked at me. He was all awake, but there was no light in there. I saw a light. The door cracked. That's why I went in his room to switch off. Light TV. <laughs> I just want to give God praise because He is so good. Uh, we wasn't here last Sunday because me and my husband went down to Alabama to the wedding of my oldest son, and that was a blessing in and of itself that he was getting married. And but. Aaron said I was smiling so much during the wedding that he thought I was going to break my face. <laughs> but I had, I had every reason to be smiling because my husband was standing there 
performing the wedding ceremony. My son was the one being married, and my oldest daughter was part of the wedding celebration. And I just want to give God praise for that, that he first he took us down there safely, and then he brought us back safely, but for the blessing of being with family while we was there. And I got to see nephews. These are grown nephews, but because I'm older, you know, they all look up to me. <laughs> and I, I, just, I just had a great time of fellowship with them. And I do something with, with a lot of my younger relatives. I send out text messages most days of the week. I can't say all, but most days of the week I send out text messages. And so I know if they read them that they're getting some word of God. And I could tell, you know, because they all came and they responded to me in different ways. And then even at my son's wedding, I got a chance to minister because Pastor uh, CJ said that, you know, a treasure hunt was going on and, and we didn't have the excuse because we was out of town. And so I'm going to share with you all that I did have a treasure hunt at the wedding. Uh, one of the young ladies that was part of the wedding party, she came up and we started talking. And I got a chance to share the word of God with her and just to tell her she's a single mom with two children and she's working, and she's in school, and she's trying to run a business, and she she was feeling totally overwhelmed, and I got a chance to just tell her how much God loved her, and how beautiful she was to God, and she just said, you just don't know how much I needed that, and and I started sending a text out to her. Well, we was on our way to Oklahoma City yesterday, and I sent her a text telling her that God was with her, and she texts back, that's funny, because I just finished fussing at my kids, and I texted back. I said, God knew. That's why he sent you a word of encouragement. (laughs) Anybody else? Anybody? All right. I'm going to go ahead and dismiss the children. You can go to your class. Let's go ahead and pray. Jesus. Father, we do thank you for your wonderful and sweet presence today. We thank you that we get to hang out with the King of Kings. We get to be in your presence, Lord. And Lord, we do invite you to make the changes in our lives that you desire. And we thank you that with that you give us the grace and you give us the desire to want to be changed, to become more and more like Jesus. And so Lord, we do open our hearts as we recognize that you're doing heart surgery. We thank you for the changes that we are seeing and experiencing in our lives, in our physical bodies in our souls. Thank you, Father. And we welcome you to do more. Speak to us today, Holy Spirit. Or shall I say, continue to speak to us. We love you so much and we thank you. We thank you, Father, for what you are doing in this, in this local body.
Lord, we even thank you ahead of time for the powerful impact that this body will have on this world. We thank you that we get to be a part of your kingdom being advanced in the earth. And Lord, we say more. More of your presence. More of you working in our lives, in our midst. In the name of Jesus, amen. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to share what the Lord's put on my heart. For some of you, it's going to be somewhat review. But that'll be okay. We can always stand some review sometimes. But does anybody recognize that God is doing some wonderful things in our lives? I'm pretty excited. And if you want a title to this message, it's the it's the answer to the question: What are we about, and where are we going? What are we about, and where are we going as a church, as NCF, New Covenant Fellowship? Some of you who are new, who have been here maybe just the last couple of weeks, last couple of months, um, hopefully this will answer some of your questions. And those of you who have been around for a while, this will just remind you of who we are. And I just also want to share where we're going. The Lord put on my heart a couple of years ago, actually right before I became senior pastor of New Covenant Fellowship. He told me two specific things that he, he wanted to do. And one was that he wanted to develop a culture of expectation in this church, in this body. And what I mean by that is where we come corporately and we expect to meet with him. In other words, we take him at his word where he says, Jesus said in, in, in the Gospels, that where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm right there with them. And the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. Now again, we know that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. But we can see in Scripture that there's a, there's a special manifestation of God's presence that shows up in certain scenes when his people are worshiping and praising him and when his people desire to meet with him he says draw close to me and i will draw close to you it's like well how can god be any closer to me if he's everywhere well that's a special invitation that he's offering us for a specific engagement because we many of us who have been in a church for many years some of us may be most, if not all of our lives. You know, church can become the same old thing. You know, you go to church, you sing some songs, you listen to a message, put some money in the plate, and then you go on about your business. But we have to realize that with the call that God has on us as his people, to fulfill that great call, we can't just go through the motions week after week. Would you agree with that? 
because it's cost too great. So he's, he's been, been in a process of developing a culture of expectation where we actually expect to meet with God. Where we come expecting His manifest presence because He's the one who said that He would heal us. He made provision for us to be healed. For the most part, it's just a matter of us learning to receive what He's already made available. The Bible said that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. The Bible says that by His stripes we were healed. The Bible says that my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory. So there's all kinds of scripture that, that shows, that demonstrates, that should convince us that God wants to meet with us and minister to us. He wants to build us up. He wants to strengthen us. He wants to encourage us. He wants to train, equip us for His purposes. And we have to understand that it's not just about coming here to get blessed and feel good, although that's okay. It's okay to come and be blessed by His presence, to be blessed by Him, to feel good because He's ministered to me. He's healed my body. He's delivering me from the bondages. But we need to understand that that's for a purpose. And it's so that we can be equipped to do what He's called us to do. I don't know about you, but I want to not only know what His calling is for me, but I want to walk in it. I want to run in it. I want to bathe in it. I want to be all about what He has for me. And so that's why you've noticed that we've been emphasizing more and more so worship. Because we believe worship is, is a key way for the presence of God to manifest for our hearts to be pliable, to be soft, so that when He speaks, we say, yes, Lord. When He says, who will go? Who can I send? And because our hearts are so soft and pliable, and we're so in love with Him, because He's revealed His love to us, and we just want to love Him back in tangible ways. And so when He says, who will go? I'm more jumping up and down like little kids, waving our hands, saying, God, here I am, send me. Please send me. And we're a bunch of kids jumping up and down saying, God, we're trying to get his attention. Not like he's hard of seeing or anything. But we're so excited because of what he's doing in our lives. I mean, how many times have you been encouraged or challenged or even made feel guilty to go out and witness and tell people about Jesus? And maybe you're with somebody, maybe you're on a ministry team and you're going out knocking on doors or you're street evangelizing, that kind of thing. And you're telling people, or you're with people and are telling them about Jesus and you're sitting there talking to people, you know, a lost person who doesn't have a relationship with God and, and you or the other person is telling them how wonderful Jesus is, how he'll set them free and how he wants to heal you and, and minister to you and all this kind of stuff. And in the back of your mind, you're thinking, you know, this sounds good, but I sure wish I'd get some of that. Anybody ever experienced that? You don't have to raise your hand. But you know, a lot of times as as the church, it's like we're trying to sell a car that we don't really believe in. We know what we think, and it's a limit. It doesn't work. But we're trying to sell this car. 
And sometimes Christians are trying to tell people about the wonderfulness of God and Jesus, but they're not experiencing it themselves. And so their words, their, their witness, it's just robotic. It's just words. But see, when we allow God, the Holy Spirit, His Son Jesus, to deal with us, convict us, heal us, change us, transform us, set us free, break the chains. And all of a sudden you're full of His joy and His peace, even though the circumstances around you may be difficult. But you're experiencing His peace in a way that you never have before. You're experiencing His joy like you didn't know was possible. When that begins to happen in your life, you can't wait to share with other people of what He's doing in your life. Then nobody has to tell you, you need to be telling people about Jesus. Maybe the encouragement just needs to be, here's how to do it more effectively. Because you already want to do it. And I believe that's what's happening in a greater way in our midst, that people are getting set free. I appreciate what Lori was sharing earlier. But it is so awesome to see what is happening in the lives of, of you all. For two reasons. One, because... You're, you're embracing God's presence. You're embracing His conviction. You're allowing Him to change you. And number two, many of you are opening yourself up to relationships, godly relationships, and God's using those relationships to bring change into your life. Change that you are welcoming and embracing and your life's changing. So a culture of expectation, expecting to meet with God every Sunday and expecting lives to be changed in His manifest presence. I believe it's going to get to where, you know, we're, we're, it's encouraging to hear what God's been doing as people have been sharing. Mahalet was sharing how she got healed. She went twice to the prayer teams. She went once and didn't get healed. She went twice and got it. I want to encourage you, go to the prayer teams every Sunday. They're available every Sunday. Keep going until you get it. We think sometimes it should be a one and done. I got prayed for. I didn't get healed. Oh, well, I guess God doesn't want to heal me. I don't believe that. And I'm not going to do an, an, a great teaching on healing right now, but I believe there's more to it. And, and also it's a great mystery. Healing is a mystery that we don't understand. And I believe one day we'll fully understand it on the other side. When we're with him and he begins to teach us, we say, oh, now it makes sense. I believe because our feeble little limited minds can't understand all of it. But there's more to it. And I believe God wants us to get more of it. And so we have to contend for and move towards His healing. His provision of what He has for us. But I believe we're going to see it more and more and more that we just come into this place. And sometimes people aren't going to even have to go to the prayer teams or, or come and receive prayer. But just the presence of God in this place. You know, like an open heaven where the clouds are open and just the, God, the glory of God is coming in this place. And you just step into this place and you're changed. I've heard testimonies that are happening in malls where people would set up themselves, position themselves in a the mall, and they'd be standing there and, and praying. And it's like, it's like an open portal, open window of heaven will just kind of be over this one place. And they were sharing how one guy was walking and he walked right into this area. And as he walked through, he pulled, something, he pulled something out of his pocket and threw on the ground. It was a bag of drugs. Just walking into that area, he just threw the drugs away. Isn't that interesting? 
Conviction. Boom. No one said a word to him. And I hear testimonies of people in that same situation just walking through and getting healed or coming under conviction. It's like all of a sudden they become so God conscious. They want Jesus. And the people would be there to lead them to the Lord. Not saying anything to them. See, we know that's available. And I don't want to just talk about it. There are people that are so messed up, that are so full of hopelessness, that they're on the verge of suicide. And here we are, a people full of hope. Peace, because we have the Prince of Peace living inside of us. And we have this great treasure in earthen vessels. Do you think He delights in us keeping it to ourselves? Okay, I just want to make sure I was heard. Like, is this on? The second thing, so the first thing is culture of expectation. Expecting to meet with God and expecting Him to move and and us responding to Him. Walking in obedience to the King. Emphasis on King. He is the King. Yes, He's our friend. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. And we sing that one song we're used to, that I am a friend of God, and that's a good thing. God is our friend. We have to understand. Jesus said there was a qualifier to that friend. He said, you are my friends if you do what I say. So we can have a close friendship with God, but there's a requirement of obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what I say. You'll do what I say. And my experience is, the more I get into His presence, the more I spend time with Him, reading His Word, enjoying Him, I fall more in love with Him because I'm experiencing His love for me. And I I can't wait to do what He wants me to do. Now, sometimes there's a battle because that sinful nature, that sinful flesh wants to hold on to sin or selfishness or whatever it is. But the more I get in His presence and He works on me, and it's like it just washes away. Washes away. That's what his presence is about. Second thing, culture of honor. Learning to walk in love and intentional biblical friendship with one another. Learning to walk in love. Jesus talked about that quite a bit. He talked to his disciples and said, here's a new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you. And for the most part in churches, I mean, growing up in the church, I didn't experience that. When we came to church... I grew up in a traditional church. We came to church in our suits and our nice clothes. God forbid you smiled once you walked in the sanctuary. I mean, you walk in the church and you see gloom and, you know, just sad. I don't know how else to describe it. But there wasn't happiness. And it was just religion. I mean, it was just a ritual, a week, a weekend ritual. And I know God has more than that. Learning to walk in relationship with one another so that God can use relationship to change us, to equip us. The Bible talks about every joint supplying. And I believe, I believe the Lord spoke this to me last night in conversation. But every single one of us in here, God has putting, putting. God is putting. New word, new word alert. 
God has pudding. Must be thinking of pudding and I must be hungry or something. God has put inside of us dreams, vision, calling to accomplish awesome things for his kingdom. But I believe you will not walk in the fullness of that outside of relationship with other brothers or sisters. I believe he deposited that. He told me that last night. Man, and some people are waiting. God, you know, you, you've called me. You've spoken prophetically over me. You've told me that you had ministry or this or that for me. And I'm not experiencing it. I believe a key, not necessarily the key, but a key, is if you're staying isolated, if you're staying by yourself, but if you're not allowing yourself to engage in godly relationships with other brothers or sisters, then you're going to miss out. Because I believe some of the doors that you need to walk through only come through relationship. The type of relationship that I'm talking about, as we've been talking about forever, seems like, the kind of relationship where I can be vulnerable, open, transparent, and accountable with somebody. I believe in that kind of relationship or those kind of relationships, you are going to find some keys and open doors to the calling and purposes that God has for your life. Because, there, you know, for God, for us to walk in His plans, His purposes, He has to transform us. There's changes He needs to make in our lives. If He were to just put me in the ministry before He changes me, then my character won't be able to handle the ministry. Or I'll be up there ministering or talking to people with no authority because I'm not living it myself. You see what I'm saying? And so there's changes He needs to make and wants to make in me so that when He releases me into ministry or whatever it is, There's enough evidence of his presence in my life and his change in my life that I'm able to encourage and equip people effectively. And a lot of that comes through intentional relationship. That's where I've noticed a change in my life. You know, the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. Talking about as man sharpens man or as as men are walking together. It's like iron sharpening iron. You get sharper. You become more sharp. You're walking by yourself. You're going to stay dull. So he's wanting to develop a culture of honor where we walk in true, biblical, authentic love for, with one another. And the theme that we are about is building God's kingdom through intentional, relational discipleship. Building God's kingdom through intentional, relational discipleship building his kingdom how through intentional relational discipleship that's what we're about his kingdom through relationship amen i believe that relationship is the vehicle for effective life-changing discipleship have you made it to matthew chapter four yet you thought i forgot about it didn't you Uh uh-huh You've heard me share from this verse before, these verses. Verse 18, backing up a little bit, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, it says, Now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Excuse me. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you 
fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now for them to become fishers of men, they had to follow him. But also they had to allow him to make them. And see, I believe right here is the model of discipleship. It's following Jesus, which means being committed to Jesus. You know, if I call myself, if I say I'm a Christian, that means I'm committed, I'm following Jesus. There's a lot of people who say they're Christians and they're not following Jesus. They're just carrying the name tag, the Christian name tag. But if you're a biblical Christian, that means you're following Jesus. And that's the call. He said, follow me. Second thing is, he says, I will make you. And that means you will be committed to the process, his process of change. You can see, as you follow him, you're being made into something. So I'm following him. I have my focus on him through worship, through time in his word, time in his presence. I'm committed to the king. I'm following him. And then he says, I will make you. In other words, he's going to be changing us. And a big part of that is through relationship. And we see the model that he had because he called 12 to be with him and to go and do the stuff. Jesus called 12 to be with him and to go and preach the gospel and do these things. And you realize that 11 of the 12, we know one had a falling away, had a serious issue to deal with. We know the, the, the other ones, they turned the world upside down. They change the world. We are here, every single one of us in this room are here as a result of those 11 men that were with Jesus. Remember Peter and John, when they healed the man as they were going to the temple and the lame man, they healed him, all that good stuff, and they got in trouble. They were standing before the religious leaders. And it says they, they knew that Peter and John were not educated men. But they recognized their boldness and everything. They recognized them as having been with Jesus. To me, I believe that's where the boldness was. That's where the, after they got filled with the Holy Spirit, everything became crystal clear. But it was because of their relationship, them walking with Jesus. That's what gave them the power. That's what enabled them to change the world. And see, as we follow him and allow him to change us, then as people see us, they're going to see Jesus in us as we allow him to change us. It's not just going to church and being a good person, but it's allowing Jesus to change us. Amen? So we follow him. We allow him to change us, being committed to his process. He says, I will make you fishers of men. And that means being committed to his mission, which is people. Being committed to the mission. If you are following Jesus and allowing him to change you, then he's changing you into a fisher of men. He is changing you into someone who loves people and wants to reach people for his kingdom. You know, for the last couple of years, when I first became the pastor, I thought that we were all of a sudden going to be, all right, we we're going to be all about evangelism. Because that's what I do. That's who I am. I love evangelism. And so I thought, well, God's going to begin, to, we're going to just do that. 
The Lord said, nope. He said, not right now. And so for the last two and a half years, he's been talking about or putting on my heart about relationship. Relationship, relationship, relationship. Then about six weeks ago, the Lord spoke to me and said something. He said, now, I'm about to transition you to evangelism. They want to know where we're going? Evangelism. And I'm beginning to understand, I believe I understand a little bit as to why we weren't able to start with that. Because we were missing the relational aspect. Because see, when we reach people the way the Lord wants us to, it's not, it cannot just be about numbers. It cannot just be about making this church have more people in it so we can say, wow, look how this church has grown. But it's about as we reach the people, not just to get a notch in my belt, but I'm reaching that individual of those people and inviting them into relationship with the king and with us. Relationship. And so it's not about just going and getting them to say a confession, pray a prayer. Okay, good, you're good. You got it. Maybe I'll see you, maybe I won't. But the Bible didn't say go and make converts. That's not the Great Commission, is it? He didn't didn't say go into all the world and preach the gospel and get them to say a prayer and you're good. He said go into all the world, preach the gospel, and make, what's that word? Disciples. Teaching them to observe everything that I taught you. You can't do that on a Friday night encounter on, on the corner of Perkins and McElroy. Unless you're there for a long time, maybe. But see, that's a lot of times how evangelism works. We go and we get them to pray the prayer. We get excited because they say yes and they do. And then whether we see them or not, we're, we're not too concerned about that. But we got them saved. They're on their way to heaven. We're good. Now, if you encounter someone and they pray and they receive Jesus and you're not able to see them again, okay, you can't help that. But you want to do your best to get them into a Bible-believing church, get them connected to the body, because only through relationship are they going to be able to grow. But I believe the Lord has been showing me that he wanted us to establish, he wanted us to walk in the revelation that he gave Pastor Dale years ago. And that was that relationship is everything. Relationship is everything. And now how can you read the Bible and not see that that's not true? From Genesis to Revelation, all you see is relationship. And so the Lord spoke that to this body through our pastor. Relationship is everything. He would say it often in in staff meetings. He would say it when we're meeting. And I'm like, yeah, I understand. Well, I might have said I understood, but I didn't understand what it meant. Relationship is everything. But then as he started started showing us what a little bit more and more, what that means, how to walk in that. And so as we're, now we're not done, obviously. It's not like, okay, no more talk on relationship. Now let's start evangelizing. But I believe there's some momentum that has been developed. And so as we're engaging with relationship with each other and his presence, then as we reach out to people, we're going to say, come and follow me. Come with us. Come join us as we see God's kingdom manifest in wonderful ways. And so the corner we're about to turn is evangelistic. 
And I don't know about you, but I'm getting pretty excited. I feel like the Lord told me, he says, son, now you can play. Because to me, that's what evangelism is. And I remember in college, me and a few of my buddies, uh, Joel and Roosevelt, two of them, uh, Robert knows them, two of my college buddies, we used to, uh, you know, we were going to college and, and, you know, on the weekends you get bored, you want to find something to do, bowling, movies, we say, hey, let's go bowling. Nah, we did that last night, we did that last time. Let's go to a movie. Nah, there's nothing playing. We're trying to find something to do. And someone said, hey, let's go out on, let's go out on Washington and witness. Yeah, let's do that. That's what we'd do. We'd go over by Eskimo Joe's. and Now, our methods weren't necessarily most effective. You know how you're passing out tracts of people? Passing all these tracts, telling Jesus loves them? We were sincere. We were full of passion and love for Jesus, and we love people. That's all we knew to do as far as passing out tracts. But then you walk down the street, and you turn around, and you see all those tracts laying on the ground. Pretty heartbreaking. But it was fun. I loved the thrill. I saw it as a thrill. And I understand. I recognize that there's grace on my life for that. You know, so much so, so much fun that I used to have that when I um, wasn't able to stay home, I'd, I was here at, uh, going to school here, but then the summer I had to go home and work and all that kind of stuff and then come back the following. And I was bummed because I was just on fire. I was just... I just want Jesus. I want to share Jesus. And so I had to go home. And I didn't know anybody. Didn't know any Christians, that is. And I said, God, I want a brother. I want a brother that I can hang with, run with. And now that I think of it, I was asking for a relationship. Bing, just thought of that. Wow. And he answered my prayer. And he gave me this brother. His name was Jonathan D. Simone. If you want to know what he looked like, those of you who know what Lou Ferrigno looks like, that's Jonathan D. Simone. Look, just like Lou Ferrigno, he's the old Incredible Hulk for you younger people. He had to build almost. He wasn't quite as big as Lou, but he was, he was a good-sized man. And he had that, that look like Lou Ferrigno. Anyway, found this brother, and he was just as crazy as I was. And we, we were, you know, doing stuff. I found a church. We were having a good time, and we got bored one Friday night. No, it was, it was Friday afternoon. We were bored. Like, man, let's do something. It's like, what do you want to do? And he says, I know, let's go on First Street. Now, a lot in First Street was the red light district. That's where the bad people were, the drugs, the prostitutes, the pimps, and all that. Yeah, let's go on First Street. Why are we going to do that? We're going to share the gospel. Because, see, I believe, even though I didn't know what I was doing, I'd never done that before, but I believe that what I had encountered, who I had encountered was real. And if I can get those people to encounter him, they were going to experience his reality. We said, yeah, let's do that. Let's go on First Street. And so we got back. We came back that, that evening, a couple hours earlier, about an hour or so earlier. And we were just praying. And mainly it was just crying because we were scared. Oh, God, we're scared. What do we get ourselves into? I was terrified. But I wanted to do it. It's like those of you who like to go on big roller coasters. You know, you, you're in line. And you see that thing go up like a million feet up in the air and come straight down. And you're sitting there watching it, and your heart starts racing. But you're still going to do it. You're terrified, but you're still going to do it. You know what I mean? That, that feeling right there. And right when you're about to get on that car, your heart's going 90 miles an hour. You're going to do it, but you're scared. That's how it was with us going out on First Street. We're going to do it. 
but we were terrified. And I remember the coolest thing. We prayed and we walked and we parked our car a few blocks away because I didn't want it stolen. So we parked. I'm not dumb. I mean, come on now. You got to walk in some wisdom, right? But we, we parked our car over by the Ramada Inn, which is a, 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 way, a, while, I mean, a couple of, few blocks away. And the cool thing was the first guy we encountered, we parked the car, we get out of the car, and there's a guy who just got off work. He's sitting there taking, I don't know if he's taking a break or, or just got off work. I can't remember, but he's sitting there smoking a cigarette. We encounter, talk to him, and he gets saved. It's like, hey, what an awesome way to start. We led him to the Lord. He prayed with us. And I remember we walked a couple of blocks over to First Street. And as soon as we took foot, uh, put our feet on that street, I remember, it was like, those of you who have seen the old Star Trek, I've never seen it, but I, no, I'm just kidding. I like Star Trek, by the way. Anyway, the old Star Trek, remember when he would say, beam me up, Scotty, and there would be that ray of light that would come down and the guy would disappear. That ray of light, that's what I felt come upon us. When we stepped on the first street, I felt a, a beam of something. And I recognized it was God's grace. Because instantaneously, the fear went away. It's gone. It's like I was bulletproof. Just don't shoot me. <laughs> Just felt invincible all of a sudden. And we're going and we're starting to talk to people and encounter people and having a blast. And then you kind of get a little stupid. You know, you, you kind of forget where you are. And I said, hey, so we can cover more ground. Let's, you go on that side of the street, I'll go on this side of the street. We separated ourselves. I wouldn't recommend that at all. But our loving father, who knows how dumb his kids can be sometimes, he had our back. And I remember walking up to these people, and we, we made it a point. We didn't have iPads back in that day. They didn't, there wasn't even a such thing as iPad back in that day. But we carried Bibles, and we carried good-sized Bibles. Not pocket Bibles. A good-sized Bible. Hold your Bible up, Robert. That size right there. Because we wanted to, and again, wisdom, what we thought. No one told us this, but this is just what we thought. We wanted them to know who we were. We don't want them to think we were undercover cops or anything like that. We wanted them to know that we were Bible thumpers and we're coming to thump them. So we had these big Bibles that we're carrying. So people see them and then they, they would react or, you know, they saw this Bible like, oh, no, it's one of them. I remember walking up to this group of people. It was about four or five. I approach him. Remember, I'm by myself because my friend is across the street. I approach him and I say, hey, guys, how's it going? And this guy got in my face, came in like, like he was the bulldog of the group or something. He came, and they were all drinking and partying and everything. He came and got in my face and said, we don't want none of that. We don't want to hear it. And he was in my face, and it was pretty intimidating. That bulletproofness was starting to wane a little bit. But he got in my face and said, hey, we don't want none of that. Get the blankety-blank and that kind of thing. The cool thing was is his friends with him said, hey, shut up. We want to hear what he has to say. And so he backed off. And I said, can I tell you guys a story? I said, sure. I turned to Luke chapter 15 prodigal son. And I begin to read that story about the prodigal, how he left, and then he messed up and did all this wild living and everything. And then how he came back and how the father embraced him and loved him and gave and threw a party for his son, put sandals on his feet, a ring on his finger, robe on his back, and threw a party for him. As I'm sharing the story, two of the girls start crying. And before when I'm done, this group of people end up praying with me. Now, I can't remember if there was rededications or, or first-time salvation, but they prayed with me because they were prodigals, all of them, were prodigals and knew their roots, that they had turned away from God, and they were out there doing what they shouldn't be doing, and God convicted them. 
right there on the spot. I thought, this is pretty fun. I like this kind of stuff. And then we had some other wonderful, cool things, scary things, stupid things happen. I interrupted a drug dealer as he was making a drug transaction. But I didn't know. I said, hey, excuse me, bro. Hey, excuse me, bro. Tapping on his shoulder. Hey, yo. And the cool, he turned around, looked at me, and then he saw my Bible, which probably saved my butt right there. And he said, can't you see I'm busy? And I looked like, oh, I'll be back. <laughs> like, whoops. Whoops. But anyway, we had fun. Got to see some cool things. But just that, that's what I like to do. And I feel like the Lord told me the other day, he said, son, now you can play. Which means it is time. It is time. Evangelism, it is time to look. You know, Todd mentioned this and um, a while ago. We have the, I believe the Lord has intention or told us to intentionally set our gaze on each other. In other words, we as a church have been very inward focused for the last couple of years. Intentionally. Now, if a church stays that way, it's going to die. It's going to die. Because if it's all about us, that gets old after a while. But there was a purpose for us to, and he said, I want, it, I want you to look at each other. I want you to learn to walk in relationship. And he says, okay, now that you, you're moving in it, now we're about to turn out. And begin to gaze on them out there. And we're going to begin to invite them into what God is doing in our lives. Treasure hunting. Just going out there looking for people to pray for. I want to share one more story of something that I did years ago that happened years ago. And it was, to me it's a bittersweet story because it was failure. <clears throat> but the Lord taught me something that's, that is, I've carried for a long time. I was out um, staying at Motel 6 one night. Yeah, I was married. Me and Lisa were, no, I'm just kidding. I told her that I felt like God was wanting to call, you know, me to spend some time praying and fasting. So I just booked a hotel night and just stayed out there just praying and fasting. And when I was, I went to get something out of my van, I forgot. And, and then when I went down there, all of a sudden I heard this commotion. And I look up and there, it's like a scene out of a movie. Where these guys, they were an athletic team. They were just carousing, partying, drinking, smoking, all just having a, a time. It was like a right out of a movie. And I saw these guys, and I'm sitting there in my van watching them. They're oblivious to me. They don't know I'm there. And I'm just watching them. And in my heart, actually, I said it out of my mouth. I said, man, I want to do something about that. I want to do something. Because, see, I was under the impression that you... To do something for God, you had to be led by His Spirit. In other words, He had to initiate like a prompting for you to do something. Like some people believe that you can't witness to somebody, you shouldn't witness to somebody unless the Holy Spirit prompts you. Well, the Lord was showing me the inaccuracies of that, of that teaching because I thought as I'm sitting there looking at them thinking, man, I want to do something. I thought I had an excuse because the Lord hadn't prompted me. I was coming up with this on my own. I was initiating this. But then he spoke to me and said, do something. It kind of startled me. He took away my excuse. I'm thinking, wait a minute, Lord. I thought you had to initiate this. He said, do something. Now, I didn't know what. 
And I, I kept watching him, and I was just praying in tongues, praying in my prayer language, and I was praying and just looking at him. And all of a sudden, I locked in on one young man at the end who had one of those air boot, one of those boots on, uh, casts that you can remove. He had one of those and some crutches. I said, there he is. That's what I want to do right there. I want to see him healed. Holy Spirit said, go for it. So I, remember that roller coaster? <laughs> heart going 90 miles an hour. All of a sudden, heart rate goes up. Jump out of the car and, and go before I change my mind. <laughs> go up the steps, and I make my way through the guys and go all the way to this person, this last guy on the end. And say, hey, what's up? And, oh, nothing, we're up, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I say, what's going on? I said, man, what happened to your leg? And they were a lacrosse team. And he, uh, sports injury. He messed up his ankle through some, you know, through lacrosse. I said, oh, dude. And, and I said, hey, well, I'm a Christian. Maybe I shouldn't have said that so loudly because all of a sudden the beard disappeared. Whoa, Christian. Mayday, mayday, alert. Hide. I said, well, I'm a Christian. And can I pray for you? I'd like to pray for you. I believe God would like to heal you. And, of course, the, the language tones down a little bit. You know, it changes color, <laughs> all that kind of thing. And the guy was like, sure, you can pray for me. And so we, we step into his room, and by this time I turn around, and all the guys are all in his room seeing what's going on. So I have an audience. And, you know, the heart rate goes up even more. And I asked him a question. I said, can you take that thing off? He said, yeah, I can take it off. Because what I was preparing for was I was going to pray for him, have him take it off, and try out his leg. Say, hey, you notice any difference? Because now I've done it now. Now, since then, I've done that many times. And when I do that, when I tell them, how does it feel? Is there any difference? I've seen a lot of wonderful results. People get healed instantly. Or praying for them three, four, and five times. I prayed for one guy five times, and he was instantly healed after that. Well, that wouldn't be called instantly, would it? <laughs> he was completely healed after the fifth time. So I recognize sometimes it's a process. So I was, I was setting up. After I pray for you, I didn't tell him this. This is what I was thinking. After I pray for you, I want you to take it off and see if it's healed. So I pray for him, and then after I finish, I'm about to tell him, now take it off. And I said, now you can take that off when you want to, right? He said, yes. I said, when you get home, take it off and check it out. He said, oh, okay, sure, I will. My heart just sunk. I blew it. I chickened out, basically. I chickened out. Because I didn't want that, that accountability that was about to happen. But see, what I believe to this day what would have happened was he would have been healed and all of his buddies would have seen it. But I was afraid, so I backed off. I said, hey, when, when you get home, check. He said, yeah, I sure will. Thank you. He was grateful, appreciative that I stopped and prayed for him. So then I leave, I go to my room, <clears throat> and then I think of something. I can't remember what it was, but I think that I need to tell this guy something. So I go back. It was probably about 15 or so minutes that passed. I go back to this guy, and when I walk around the corner, I remember it was all rowdy and loud and cussing and loud stuff. When I came back, it was quiet. The guys were in their rooms. They had their curtains open, so you could see they were all in their separate rooms, like two groups of two and three of them, quiet. And so then I go to this guy, and I say, well, do whatever I need to do. And I say, hey, where'd everybody go? What happened? He said, oh, well, some of the guys wanted to keep partying, so they left. And the rest of us just wanted to hang out. And what the Holy Spirit showed me, what I noticed was the atmosphere changed. The atmosphere changed. And the Holy Spirit was showing me because of the presence of God that I carry with me, even though I didn't get to see the manifestation of that healing, which I don't know to this day if he was healed or not, 
But the atmosphere in that area changed dramatically. There was a clashing of kingdoms, and our kingdom won. And what the Lord was showing me is that we carry, because the Holy Spirit lives within us, we carry his presence wherever we go. And so what he wants, and to me, this is what true evangelism is about. It's not just taking tracks and passing out tracks and saying, hey, God bless you, God loves you, although that's okay. I did that lots of times. I passed out, passed out thousands of tracks doing that way. Only the Lord knows the fruit that may have come out of that. But I believe what effective evangelism is, is in allow, allowing people to encounter Jesus. To encounter Jesus. That's what was happening on the, on the first street in Lawton. We didn't know how to do it. In fact, we didn't know what we were doing. We were just doing it. And people were encountering them just reading the Bible. Luke chapter 15, people are crying and, and giving their lives to Jesus or, re, or, or repenting. And we do not have to be an evangelist for people to experience Jesus through us. We have to be a Christian. Someone who carries the presence of God. And see, that's what those of you who you keep hearing me talk about treasure hunting, that's what treasure hunting is all about. People encountering Jesus through us. It's awesome. Sometimes it's, it's very dramatic. People break down, start crying right there. They get healed um, because the power gifts of God begin to work. All kinds of wonderful things. But it's not going to be just, as we turn this corner, it's not going to be just going out and evangelizing on the streets. Most of it's going to be done through relationship. As you begin to open your home or open your heart and you notice a guy at work and maybe you learn that he's not a Christian or or whatever, you say, hey, bro, let's go out and let's get some coffee or let's, let's... Let's go have lunch together. And your intention, your heart's desire is to see where he's at with the Lord, but to help him have an encounter with Jesus Christ. And then after that encounter, to invite him or her into a discipleship relationship. Does that make sense? So we're about to turn the corner. And I believe it's going to get really crazy around here. I'm going to go ahead and say this. I'm not saying thus saith the Lord, although I believe he told me this, but it will prove itself out if it's the Lord. If it doesn't happen, it was me. If it happens, it was him. I believe that by the end of December, we will double in size as a church. That means about 250-ish. I really believe that. Now, my heart and desire is not to have, woo, look at how we've grown. but to be a church full of people that want Jesus. People that are saying, I want his kingdom. You know, people, whether they're they're Christians or whether they're brand new people who have never met Jesus before, they get saved and they allow them, they move into a discipleship relationship with Jesus Christ and they allow him to change them and then they begin to go out. You know, Pastor Dale shared this before, that the Lord was going to open an effective door for ministry, something to that effect. <coughs> I believe I know what one of them is. I'll share on that later. But I'm pretty excited because we have a brother in a ministry that's coming here to this church, never been here before. I used to see him on TV every single weekend. When this guy was my hero, like I couldn't get enough of him and his ministry. And he called me the other day. Wants to come do ministry here at New Covenant Fellowship. Like,
what? How in the world did that happen? And I believe it's one of those effective doors of ministry that the Lord is opening. I didn't initiate it with him. He came looking for us. I believe we're going to see some incredible, incredible things this year. Through evangelism, the, the treasure hunting, we went, me and a couple of guys, brothers, went last week, and I just fell in love again. Goodness, almost got high on the good stuff. So I realized this is what I'm created for. I, I mean, that's my element. I love being out there meeting people, strangers. That whole, I'm an adventurous type guy. I love the unexpected. The you don't know what's going to happen, and then bam, something cool happens, and it's like wow. And it's not always good. Sometimes it's like wow, that wasn't good. <laughs> Go ahead and stand with me. There was one more thing I do want to share. I just remember this. I didn't look at my notes. I'll say it quickly. The Lord put this on my heart this week, too, as I was thinking about as we're about to turn the corner for evangelism. You know, some of you may be thinking, well, what's, I keep hearing about this missions conference that's coming up. What's that all about? I haven't heard about missions, and all of a sudden we got a missions conference. Those of you who are new, now those of you who have been here forever, like me, you know what it's all about. You see these flags on the wall. You know that we're about reaching the world. We're about to have a conference where we invite the missionaries that we have relationship with. They're coming home. Some of them have come out of this church. Some of them, we've just met them over the years and we've formed a relationship with them. They're coming here so that we can love on them and say, hey, we appreciate what you're allowing God to do through you. We appreciate your faithful service for God's kingdom. But I believe the Lord told me this. Some of us, some of you, are going to be looking into your future ministry. When you come, some of you already know that you're called to the nations or a particular nation other than the United States. Some of you don't know that yet. But when you come to this conference and you begin to hear the testimonies and begin to rub shoulders with people who are out there, God's going to begin to stir up in you what He's already placed in you. Whether it's a call, whether it's a passion for Mexico, or Nicaragua, or, or some country, China. So some of you are about to get a glimpse, a peek into your future. And I, I really believe that. I really believe that. We've had, there's a couple that you're going to meet, those of you who haven't. They were called, they were pastors for many years, and then they came here and with us for many years, a number of years, and God called them in their 50s, mid to late 50s, don't tell them I told you this, how old they were. But they were in their mid to late 50s. God called them into full-time mission work. And they've been out there for, what, 13, 14 years? Something like that? And pretty soon they're transitioning back. That's changing. So some of you say, well, yeah, if I was, if I'd have known this years ago, it didn't matter how old you are. If you just say, God, I want to do whatever you want, he'll use you wherever you allow him to. So I want to encourage you guys to come and expect God to do wonderful things in this missions conference. This is who we are. Reaching the world for Jesus. Evangelism. Starting at home, going to the world. Father, we thank you for what you're inviting us to do. We thank you for the relationship 
that we're able to have with you. And Lord, just like you've given, you've poured out wonderful grace for us to move into relationship. And I know that more are going to continue to develop in that. I thank you for the same measure of grace for us to become evangelistically minded, for us to become outward focused, for us to begin to look at people who don't know you and our hearts begin to break for them. And where we have to do something about it, not out of guilt, but out of compassion. And Lord, we know that when Jesus was moved with compassion, cool things happen. And we know you want to do the same thing through us. And so, Lord, we say, here we are. Here we are. Send us, Father. We love you, Lord, and we want you to ultimately be glorified, to be lifted up so men and women will be drawn to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.